Hello, and welcome back. I hope you've had a wonderful week. We begin this week's readings in Leviticus 22. Priests must be pure and therefore had to bring unblemished sacrifices. Here we're taught that we need to bring our best to the Lord, not just provide maybe those areas of our lives that are not the best. Sometimes we have a tendency perhaps to do things out of obligation as opposed to bringing the best in our heart. And then 23, these are the feasts of the Lord, and this is designed to provide a break from everyday living and to focus on worship. So that's not to say that we don't worship the Lord every day. These are particular times by which we are instructed to remove distractions. And there are a lot of distractions in time, in this life and time. The first is the Sabbath. That's every seventh day. Do no work. The second is Passover. The third is the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, which comes right after Passover. The fourth is first fruits or the harvest. The fifth is Pentecost, which comes at the conclusion of seven Sabbaths that began during Passover. The sixth is the trumpet blowing. This is the first day of the seventh month, the new civil year, also known as Rosh Hashanah. Seven, the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, fasting and atonement for the people's sins. Eight, the Feast of Tabernacles, the 15th day, 7th month, reminder of the 40 years of wandering. Maybe wandering is not the right word because they were led by God. Leviticus 24, this is instructions for the oil, for the lamps, and the offering. 12 loaves for each tribe of the bread. The blasphemy penalty was death by stoning by the congregation. One thing I noted is that this law applies equally to all, even for strangers. And then Leviticus, Leviticus 25, every seven years, fields will not be sown or pruned so that the fields could rest and neither shall they reap. Every 50 years, seven times seven plus one is the Jubilee, the 10th day of the seventh month. No reaping or sowing, all possessions returned and debts forgiven. The land yields her fruit for eating. Blessings increased in year six for three years of food so that they didn't have to actually worry about the harvest in the seventh year. The Lord is, the, the land rather, is not sold forever because all of the land. It's a reminder that all of the land belongs to the Lord. Moving on to Leviticus 26, the Lord promises protection and blessing if we keep his commandments, but he will punish those who defiantly turn against him. Quote, I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children and destroy your cattle and make you few in number, and your highways shall be desolate. But the Lord will also restore if the people confess their inequity. Leviticus ends with Leviticus 27. 
And this is a discussion of monetary redemption and tithing. Tithings help to keep the temple operating. And then we move into Numbers. This book is called In the Wilderness in Hebrew. I kind of like that better. It's more descriptive. This historical narrative begins one month after the end of Exodus. The Lord commanded Moses that the Israelites conduct a census, a total of 20 and over males. This totaled 603,550. Now, this is obviously not the entire population. This is only males six, uh, uh, 20 years and older. It then goes on to talk about the description of the arrangement of the camps around the center. And within the center are the Levites and the tabernacle and Moses and Aaron and sons. That's the priests. Aaron's sons are listed. The duties of the Levites are listed. And the census of the Levites, which was separate from the male and 20 for the tribes, they, this was a little bit different. Now they're looking at not 20 and older males, but rather one uh, month and above males. And this totaled 22,000, roughly. I have written down here 22,273. I'm sorry, that's 22,273 firstborn from the tribes. That's another census. And the assumption is that these were born during the first year of the Exodus. And then we move on to Numbers 4. The sons of Kohath, 30 to 50 years old, to care for the tabernacle items in preparation for the ark for travel. So we're talking now about the actual elements within the Levites, what they're actually doing to care for the tabernacle. The sons of Gershon, 30 to 50 years old, these are all 30 to 50 years old, care for the tabernacle hangings. Sons of Mariah, the supporting tabernacle items, such as the bars, rings, pillows, etc. Then there is the command to cleanse the camps, i.e. the lepers, to keep the camp holy. So ensuring that those that are unclean are separated for a period in time until they become clean. Goes on to talk about laws regarding restitution, jealousy, the test of the bitter water, holy water mixed with the tabernacle floor dust. It's either purified the women or made them barren if they were brought to the tabernacle for review for potential sin, as I understand it. Moving on to number six, the Nazarite vow was for those male and female who dedicated their life to the Lord. So not priests here, but others. It includes abstaining from strong drink. Distilling was not known then, so a speculation is that the strong drink was beer-like. They only had fermentation. Therefore, a Nazarite could not drink beer. And then the 12 days of offering show that all the 12 times tribes were worshiping a community that's number seven numbers eight the levites are purified and present and rather present israel's firstborn the levites serve as assistants to aaron's priests males 25 to 50 and then finally in numbers nine 
and 10, we have the second Passover. The cloud leads Israel on their journey. So now they're, they're leaving from where they've been for the year. And Israel leaves Sinai for Paran. And that ends this week's readings. A couple of notes. I like the returning of the land during Jubilee. And it's noted in Leviticus that this return of this debt is actually built into the contracts up front. We have today in, in the U.S. this debate about forgiving student loans. And this is kind of a different thing here. There is a sin of being in, indebted perpetually and to the point of where somebody can't live their full life if they're burdened by this debt. The system is broken. There are issues here. But there is a false equivalence, if anybody is making that argument, that, well, in the Old Testament, you had Jubilee and, and the debts were basically erased. Well, again, that was built into the beginning of the contracts during the 50-year period and prorated and was expected. And that's the fair way to do it. So we need to kind of strike a balance there, I think, biblically speaking, with regards to forgiving student loan debt. It's an interesting situation that we're in. And then the other thing I noted was about the abstaining, the Nazarite vows abstaining from strong drink, and that's the term that's used. And again, it's speculation that it's beer, but I guess it would depend upon how the beer is fermented, but generally speaking, at least in modern times, wine is stronger, has a stronger alcoholic content than beer. Then instead of referring to perhaps alcohol content, strong drink could refer to the volume of alcohol being consumed. And again, then leading to inebriation. I don't know. This is just my thought on it, particularly one who does enjoy on occasion drinking both beer and wine. One final note, I do apologize that this segment of the podcast is late. We had an unexpected and sudden death in our family, and I'd ask for all of your prayers for us going forward, and I appreciate your patience. We'll see you next time. God bless.